Sunday night edition of the Crash the Pond podcast. Jake is a free man, officially. Your strenuous exam is in the rearview mirror, so congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. You did it. Thank you. You yeah, did it. I'm very exhausted, but I I made it through and hopefully do not have to do that again. So fingers crossed, past first time, but two straight days of testing, driving out to Vegas, driving back yesterday. Um, very tiring. Very, very tiring. Waking up at uh, uh, before the sun rose in Vegas. I actually went and uh, went down to the little convenience store at the hotel I was staying at. Um and went in, grabbed like a yogurt parfait to get breakfast, some coffee and things like that. Said good morning to the person working at the registry. He's like, oh, is it morning or night for you? <laughs> yeah. And that- I was like, that's a fair point in Vegas. The sun was not up yet. True. Well, even just, I mean, at that hour, you, you just never know people with night shifts or exactly whatever well, the case yeah, but may in, be. In Vegas with well, casinos yeah. and everything like that. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Um, well, so so you did it. Congratulations. You, you yes. can hopefully, hopefully it's done forever. Um, yes. fingers crossed and that, like you said, so since we did our big podcast for the draft and free agency, the ducks, let's just say they haven't been busy and the NHL news cycle has kind of ground to a halt for now. It, it, it's been slow, steady. Uh, we don't know yet when the next season will begin. Sounds like right now, January is the, the hopeful option. It sounds like February is in play, so we don't really know quite yet. Yeah, but it, it sounds like absolutely everything is up in the air right now. It, all I think all that we can really say is that a December start is basically out the window. Which is interesting because the NBA is doing a Christmas Day start, or December 22nd start. Well, um, I mean, the there it's a very different scenario between the NBA and well, the NHL, though. Why? Uh, due to revenue. The, the difference uh, in the revenue is I think the NHL is trying to do their best to delay, delay, delay as mm-hmm. much as they can to potentially get some people in the building mm-hmm. or as many people in the building as they potentially can because at the end of the day, the NHL is so reliant upon gate revenue. Now, True. granted, like the TV contracts are, are okay, mm-hmm. and especially for some bigger teams for playoffs, bigger events, but when you're talking every kind of every team throughout the league, not every team has a great TV contract that's going to pay them a significant amount. It's more of a gate revenue-driven league. Um, and so that's why I think you're going to see the NHL delay as much as they possibly can to get some people in the building to make up some of that revenue. Whereas the NBA is a little bit better set up because of the way the league is that they can survive without fans for the potentially the entire season, probably with how their TV contracts are. Well, also, and this will come up in our questions, but the NHL has, they have to consider the Canadian element far more than the NBA. That does. too. The NBA has one Canadian team. Whereas yeah. the NHL has seven, and that's that makes you, things complicated. <laughs> you could worst case do what they did with the Blue Jays and have um, have them pl- or have the Raptors play in Buffalo. Yeah, but I I think we'll see. I don't I don't know what the the NBA's plans yeah, are. But, but that that that's mm-hmm. the absolute worst case scenario because it's only one team. Have them play in a city outside mm-hmm. of their city that's somewhat close across the border. Yeah, it, it it feels a little bleak right now, but I still think we're gonna get a season in not too long. Yeah, it's, agreed. It, it's going to happen. Everybody else is able to do it. So <laughs> the NHL surely will get to the point where they they work everything out. So as far as the Ducks are concerned, though, there's still there's still things to discuss. What next team, next season's team will look like, um, how good they will be, since they clearly intend on being good. So we turn it over to the listeners throughout a call for questions on Twitter. 
and we got some some good responses surely enough to to dive into to take up the next hour or so why don't you kick things off jake you're gonna you're the one that's got the questions so let's just jump right into it so the first ones these are all at least going to start from twitter then twitch will get to you so just hold the questions in twitch chat for the end and we'll we'll definitely get to them for to answer all of yours to make sure we get all the things that you want in um, but Justin Beck 11, uh, chimes in first saying, could you guys run through the forward group and, uh, forward group tonight and try and create four lines, everyone in play best lineup for win now, uh, Bob or GMBM. So let's just do a quick little, little exercise of trying to put together our, uh, current best lineup for the Anaheim ducks. Um, so I don't know. You want to go first or you want to let, let's do this as a collective effort between <laughs> you and me. Putting okay. together our best forward. Group. So, so l- let's start with the first line. Or do you want to go yeah. line four to line one to build up the let's tension? Go, let, let's go. <laughs> I'll let you decide. How about that? <laughs> All right. Let's start with line four because we can we can knock that out pretty easy. Uh, line four. Stop me if you've heard this before, folks. I have as my projected line four. So is this just to reiterate the question? Th- is this what we think? The the no, line no, 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 no. Th- this is this is meant to be our own personal opinion. Oh, okay. On what the best four lines you could set up would be. Ooh, okay. So that that does change things. That does change things. uh, You know what? Let's let's flip this. Let's start with the first line, and we'll go from there. It's (laughs) going to be a little bit better that way. Okay, okay. Uh, First line, I have... Well, I have Ricard Raquel on the first line. I have Ryan... I agree with that. I have Ryan Getzlaff at center still. Agreed. Which is not ideal. And then, so I have, I have Ricard Raquel on the left wing, and mm-hmm. then and then on the right wing I have Troy Terry. That's my first. Line. Oh, mm-hmm. there we go. Wait, have we recorded? Sorry, this is a little bit of a sidetrack, a little, little tangent, but we're known for those. Have we recorded since you um, saw the light about Troy Terry? What do you mean? Have we re- have we recorded a podcast since you on Twitter decided to heap praise on Troy Terry? I've um, I've been doing that for months. That 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 but, wasn't. But new. there there was a very significant increase in this in the last couple of weeks. No. Um. No. Did that happen? I don't. I think that was after the last time we recorded. So, you want to you want to fill everyone in on the information that you found? <laughs> this is so dumb. Um. <laughs> well, it's not dumb. The subject isn't dumb, but the, the, the this is trying to pin me in a bad light. Which you know, fair play, fair play. <laughs> Um, uh, yeah, well, so I was just looking through, uh, Corey Schneider, who does his all three zones work, project. He does, he tracks NHL games and basically does what few others want to do, but he actually puts in the time and we get some really interesting data where you're tracking zone exits, zone entries, passing data, um, shot assists. So passes that lead it to shot attempts and Troy Terry, he grades out really well in a lot of these different stats. Uh, he's a great transition player. He's good at carrying the puck with control. He's good at setting up his teammates, does look to shoot as well, kind of a more of a dual threat option. So it was just interesting because when you look, I wrote an article about Troy Terry at the fourth period back in July, and I outlined why I think he's already kind of an NHL caliber player. And there was a couple different reasons to think that. And one of the points I brought up was the macro level stats so not the micro stats where you're tracking you know zone entries and things of that nature Mm -hmm. but just shot attempts on ice numbers and they looked good and so it's interesting to see that the micro stats and the 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 bigger picture stats really agree and then when you look at some 
uh, shifts of his and, and some of the plays he made last season. It all just works really well, really harmoniously. And so I don't, I don't mean all any of this to say that Troy Terry projects to me as a as a as an offensive star in the NHL. I agree. I, I don't think I he, he will be that. There's not really a mm-hmm. whole lot uh, of evidence that he will be that. But he's already shown more than enough to me to where he can be a guy that you can you can pretty much put on any line one through three. And you can expect him to help that line just maintain control of the puck, carry the puck up ice. And the reason why these things matter, particularly controlled zone entries, it's it's been looked at in the past that essentially a controlled zone entry will generate more on average shot attempts than a dump in. And so if you're capable of carrying the puck in while keeping it on your stick, you have a better chance of creating offense. And by creating more offense, you're going to create more goals and you're going to win more hockey games. <laughs> yeah. So that's why yeah, that's and- why all this matters. And I come back to this, which is something kind of I, I saw when I was looking at the macro stats back during last season. The Ducks are a better team with Troy Terry on the ice than when he's off the ice. Mm-hmm. And I, how significantly better, that that's kind of up in the air. Whether he makes a huge difference is up in the air. But the Ducks are, are a better team with him. Mm-hmm. And I think that is important. Having a guy on the team that makes your team better is good. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that's not really that controversial. That shouldn't be that controversial. And I agree. I mean, looping this back to kind of the question is, I think Troy Terry on the on the wing of Ryan Getzloff and Ricardo Raquel would be a whole lot of fun. That's a line that would generate a lot of offense, and he could be the guy that could carry the puck in. Well, and it kind of mm-hmm. takes a little bit of the weight off of Getzloff in transition by having Terry there. Well, what's interesting is that with with Ryan Getzloff, he he's the opposite end of the spectrum where Terry is a very efficient puck mover. Getzlaff, partly due to just the volume of how much he's having to move the puck, you know, that he has the puck on his stick in transition, he does have more failed zone exits. And so I think if you put him and Raquel next to, you know, with Getzlaff, and Raquel grades out really well in this category as well next to Terry, him and Terry essentially the two best puck movers, not in terms of necessarily the volume, but just when you compare their successful zone exits, their transitions to the amount of turnovers that they that they generate. So you put two guys like Raquel and Terry, who, like you said, are so good at carrying the puck and so good at getting their own shots off and, and creating for others in the offensive zone. It takes a lot of pressure off Getzloff, and it still allows Getzloff to pick his spots and, mm-hmm. and get in there offensively. So I think that that'd be a really solid first line for the Ducks. And I also think you still you're not putting all your eggs in one basket with that line either. You still have some some options to play with as you move down the lineup. Yep, agreed. All right, so let's move on to line two. I think we can both probably agree here that Adam Henrique at this point is probably the second line center. Yeah, he's the second line center, although do you think there's a case to be made that this should be Sam Steele's spot here? No, I think if you're going to make a case for anyone, it would be uh, Trevor Zegras right here, honestly. Wow. I don't think Sam <laughs> I don't think Sam Steele did anything last season to, to right. warrant being put in the second line center role. I think if anything, uh, it would be Trevor Zegras being elevated into this role because of his profile, but you could also maybe make the argument of you don't want to put him in that position right away. Mm -hmm. Well, so my thing with Adam Henrique that's, again, interesting, having looked at the micro stats, is that he doesn't really do a whole lot when he's on the ice. He's not a puck hound. He's not a guy who's carrying the puck up a lot. He's not really involved. He's he's almost more like a winger than a center because when you think of a center, you think of someone who's really getting down low, recovering pucks and then moving them out and in the offensive zone really getting into the teeth of the defense and so with uh 
with Adam Henrique, he's just kind of a rover and, and he just picks his spots. And that's not a bad thing. But I think for him, I think there's a case to be made that if you when we can we can just go down this rabbit hole to have Adam Henrique on the wing of either a Zgras or a Steel because yeah. because Steel although he I don't think he showed enough last season the Ducks are kind of in a position where they don't have a whole lot to work with you can either have maintain him in the spot and you have Henrique and Steel to kind of bounce off each other and I think the way that Steel plays where he is more of a transition player he is more of a guy who gets up and down the rink that can that can potentially work well with an Adam Henrique. I would still probably prefer having Steele on the third line, but I also yeah. I don't love the idea of putting Zgres in such an elevated role as so, a rookie before having seen him play an NHL game. <laughs> I think I think having Zgres maybe the way that you start is he's technically the winger because mm-hmm. the Ducks have said this, and this is one of those things where maybe we're gonna incorporate some of what the the team has said with different things, but mm-hmm. they've said that they want Zgress on the wing to start the year. Mm-hmm. They don't want him at center to start. And so maybe this is a situation where yes, Adam Henrique is not the play driver of that line, even though he is the center. And mm-hmm. so maybe having a guy like Zgress, because here, here's my view of Adam Henrique. He's a guy, like you said, he's not the play driver, but he, he has his success when he has guys that can set him up. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we've seen in the past when he played with uh, Jacob Silverberg and, and Ricard Raquel, and we've talked about many, many times how those two together really drive play to the other team's net and really set up plays. And you don't really need a center necessarily who's going to need to be the person to, to move the puck. They just kind of need to be there in a sport role to finish the chances. And that's what Adam Henrique does well. And what we've seen with Trevor Zegras is he has the creativity to set up anyone. Mm-hmm. And you need someone there that can be able to finish those chances. And what we've seen from Adam Henrique is for all of the, the issues that you might have with this game, like you said, he doesn't drive play. He doesn't have that necessarily typical center uh, center profile. Um, but he does finish chances when he gets them. Yes. And if you put him with Trevor Zegras, that could be a successful combination because Trevor Zegras, what we saw when looking at some of his college numbers, he does shoot the puck actually a fair amount more than I expected. Mm -hmm. Um, He does get a fair amount of high-quality chances, but his calling card is his assists and and his creativity with generating chances. And so I think having Trevor Zegras and Henrique together, not only would it be good for Adam Henrique, I think it would be good for Trevor Zegras because it gives him a a little bit of mentorship. I'm not necessarily someone that thinks it's all that necessary, but I think having a guy that's more of a veteran to help him kind of see through uh, his his first year in the league would probably be good. So I think having Henrique and uh, Zgres together would be really good. Okay, so we've got Zgres. Let's just call it Zgres in the left wing, and then Henrique in the middle. So mm-hmm. who? So you and you're you're saying so Zgres on the left? Uh, sure. We can put him on the left or the right. It doesn't really matter to me. I don't think I don't know if I've necessarily seen him have a preference in terms of which side he he's played as on. a winger. <laughs> uh, yeah, as a winger because uh, in I'd need to look back on World Juniors to see where he played, but for Boston, uh, for BU, he was mainly a center. So mm-hmm. um, that's not exactly something that we have a big a big sample size on. But I, I think it. I think yeah, if he plays he, the left, he's a lefty. So and he's yeah. a, and he's a lefty I, and a passer. So I mean, he's known as a passer. So I think it would make sense to have him be on his strong side on his forehand yeah. more often because and he can create. So I, so I think on the right wing, we could probably have Jacob Silverberg. I think that would be a pretty good combination to give also a little bit. Yeah. Uh, another another finisher, he is more of a play driver, so that also helps take a little bit of the pressure off of Zegras having to be the primary play driver on that line. Yeah. But it, well, also, he, also Jacob Silverberg is, like you said, he he's a play driver, and he shoots the puck a lot. 
He's not mm-hmm. a guy who he's the op. He's kind of the anti Adam Henrique, where he's a lot more involved. He gets a lot more volume, but he just for whatever. And he's had twenty goal seasons. It's not a knock on him, but he's not really known as a true finisher, as a kind of a, yeah. a pure shooter. But yep. but so but I, he I is. Think that, I, think I think he's a little underrated offensively. I agree. I, I think that that is a very good second line, though. Yeah, I, I think that that's probably the best second line you're going to get for this Ducks team. Yeah, it, well, especially because you got to keep in mind that this is to win next season. This isn't about development mm-hmm. for years to come. It's about how can you get the most points out of out of next yep. seasons. So let's just to recap here. So for our first line, uh, we've got Getzlaff, Raquel, Terry. Second line, we've got Zgras, um, Henrique, and Silverberg. So. How are you feeling about that top six? Because I feel like we we've we've left a few options that maybe we could have gone with, and I think that those I think it, those options will be available in the bottom six and make this kind of a yeah. deeper lineup. Well, and I think that's what we're trying to do here is we're trying to make this a deep lineup that's going to be able to roll four lines, be able to compete with any any team. I think the only thing this this team is missing is what they've been missing for a while, which is high end skill. And mm-hmm. they have the, the the benefit to this team with the way we're setting it up is they're going to have depth scoring. Mm-hmm. They're going to have potentially some some goals up and down the lineup, but they're missing that true number one type line that can just take over a game, I think. Right. And and that's something that they're not going to have for a while. So. No, they aren't. And, th- and that's, I think, why we're building this lineup the way we are. Exactly. There's no point in trying to make this team something it isn't. <laughs> so mm-hmm. let, exactly. let's, uh, now this is where it gets interesting. I think this is where things kind of open up because it becomes a bit more about your preference. So for your third line, right now, I think Sam Steele has to be the center of this line right there there's not yeah. really another spot for him so then you have then you have a group of i would say three players and of course feel free to inject other players if i'm forgetting them um but you've got Max Contois, Max Jones and um Sonny Milano and i guess you, you could, could throw even Danton Heinen in that mix and you could also throw in Danton Heinen so you've got yeah. four guys that are eligible for for the wing spots to flank Sam Steele so for me personally, I would lean towards having uh, I would lean towards having Jones with Steele and Milano. That would probably be my preferred third line. I would probably swap Jones with Com- Comtois. So, here's my only issue with that. Make make the case. Here's my only issue with that, and I'm saying this as someone who does enjoy watching Max Comtois play. I think he's got a lot of you know a lot of potential. There there's some good upside there, but until he can learn. Until he starts showing that he can play a sound two-way game, I just True. don't. I just don't know if you can put him next to a Sam Steele, who, did, who was not that last season, who who wasn't yet learning, you know, who who hadn't yet showed that he was going to be able to handle being a, a true kind of two-way center. Now he wasn't awful, but he was definitely kind of below the bar you'd hope for. He could definitely make a jump. So could Contois, but I think putting those two together alongside Sonny Milano, whose five-on-five performances are, I think they're okay. I think he gets oversold a little bit in terms of how involved he is at five-on-five. And I just think that that line, although there's some skill there, they could potentially get caved in at five-on-five. And I just don't know. Yeah. And I think with Max Jones, he doesn't have the the shooting upside of a Contois, but he is going to at least bring you some stability, just winning battles along the wall, um, making sound passes in the neutral zone. So I think if you can put him next to a steel and Milano, you are mitigating some of that risk, but I could be totally yeah, off. I th- 
<laughs> no, I, I think that's a very valid and, and, and fair point. It also depends on what they're planning on doing with matchups. But I think at the end of the day, you, you look at this from the perspective of building the best three lines. And I think that that composition right there, well, yes, it, it does lack some goal scoring that you would want next to steel. But I, I think your justification there is right on. So I, I think you're probably right that I, I think maybe the only difference that you could do is if you want to put Comtois there, maybe on the... I, I know he's primarily a left winger, but maybe you try him on the right side. You put Danton Heinen there, who's a little bit better defensively, I believe. Yeah. Um, and, and go with that, but we'll maybe talk about that in a little bit. So I think that that's fair doing Jones, Steele, uh, Milano. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the other thing that you could do is just go Jones, Steele, Comtois. <laughs> I mean, you could do that as well. I don't know. You could. I don't know if that's, that, if that's preferred. I, I don't love that. Well, I don't, I don't love it either, but I do think that the problem with Jones is he takes so much offense off the table. If you look at all of his numbers, he's a good shot generator. He he does the small things that help align function, but he's just not a guy who's who really has that offensive instinct. He shows flashes of it. You've seen it in the past, but I just I just don't really think he's that kind of elite shooter or even close to elite shooter. Whereas Contois, he really does have that ability, even though he's terrible right now defensively he does have that and so i kind of want to see that in a higher leverage spot yeah so it's tough yeah because i don't if you do contois steel milano i just think you could you could be in a lot of trouble so because this is our lineup this is just our total just what we want to see i'm going to advocate for contois steel milano let's just make it a fun line that's fair who knows what'll let's happen when they're out there they, sure. they could fair. score the other team could score you know it, it. it could be ugly it could be great it's a fun line, but now and I think I think mm-hmm. I think Comtois seems more like a like a third liner than yeah. he is if we're gonna have him on the fourth. The problem line. I think that that's the, the the problem with Comtois is that he he's he's a good shooter, he's a good passer, he doesn't do much of anything else right now, just with the way his game is kind of structured. So I think that he's it doesn't make sense to have him on a fourth line with guys who aren't going to be able to get him the puck that aren't going to be able to kind of make plays for him to capitalize on, because that is something that he does well. Um, and so if you, if you put him next to a steel who has shown some good passing ability and a Milano, who again is also very crafty. I do think that that, that can be an interesting mix. Uh, whereas if you have him next to a Derek Grant or next to whoever, someone that's a little lower on that offensive scale, you're just not going to maximize Max Contois as a player. Now, if he does make a jump at five on five, which is very plausible, he's still very green in the NHL. I think that um, then this conversation totally changes because then he becomes a guy that you you just simply can't put any lower than, than third line. So keep an eye on Max Contois. I do think he kind of, in a weird way, he holds some of the keys for how successful the Ducks could be next yeah. season because he, he has shown yep. that offensive upside. Yep. I would agree with that. All right. So let, let's get to the fourth line. Mm-hmm. This is going to be the fun one. <laughs> this is going to piss the, off some this, people, I think. This, <laughs> I mean, is it though? I mean, we've basically probably pissed off those people already. No, we haven't yet. We haven't yet scratched Derek Grant or David Well, no, Rackus. we probably have pissed them off in co- previous episodes, is my point. True, true. Very true. Um, so here are the, <laughs> so here are the eligible. Center. Well, here are the eligible people for center. So you've got David Backus, who, yes, is on the Ducks. Still, um, Derek Grant, who is back on the Ducks, which boggles the mind. Andrew Agazino is a candidate for this spot, even though I don't really know how that's going to work. Uh, Isaac Lindstrom. Is he still on the team? Uh, yep. He's signed. He's signed for next season. 
I was looking at the depth depth chart on Cap Friendly, and for whatever reason, he's not. Oh no, he's, he's there. there. He's, he's there. in the non roster. Um, Sorry, I missed it. No, he's. By the way, want to give a shout out real quick? Kempafu mm-hmm. resubscribed for 17 months uh, with Twitch Prime, and Lewis X209 subscribed at tier one, and wow. that's his 25th month. So thank you so thank much. Thank you. To both of you, both of you have been around with us for a long time, so thank you. Yeah. Also, I guess Lewis gave a, a special emote to the chat. Oh, okay. So, no clue how that happened, but thank you. <laughs> so, back to this fourth line center spot, though. I So, do you put Lundestrom in this mix? Yes. Okay. <sighs> and I think the other player I would throw in this mix is Bo Grew. What about Chase DeLeo? <laughs> no. <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, I I don't think Chase DeLeo is in the mix. I think Bo Grew will be in the AHL next season. More likely than not. I think he's fringe mm-hmm. in this mix. He's fringe. Um, so let's just face it. It's going to be Derek Grant. So we can either go with Bacchus or another guy or just put... Is is Derek Grant the best pick out of the names I've listed? You could maybe no. argue yes. He, maybe. No. It's, he's the worst. He's the worst. You think David Bacchus would be a better choice? I yes, without a doubt. I think David here. All right, I'm I'm going to our main. Uh, you can see my screen. I figured I'd throw. I'd look it up. Evolving Hockey's RAPM charts are on right now for Derek Grant at last season versus <laughs> David Backus. <laughs> David Backus is not horrible. No, he's he's a fine fourth line center. And and I'm actually going to change this now to multi season because I'm just curious. And it becomes even more. And, and now, granted, I think single season's a little bit better. Because of David Backus's age mm-hmm. and multi-season kind of takes into consideration seasons where he was a little bit younger. But um, David Backus is still significantly better than Derek Grant. And I think that's all you need to know for who to have as your fourth line center. Yeah, but let me ask you this. Who wins more face-offs of the two? Because that that is I the actually question. want to look that up because I'm curious. <laughs> let, let, let's see. Does I actually this kind of shows you my mentality. Where do I go to look up faceoff percentage? Yeah, NHL.com, I suppose. Hockey re- does hockey reference? Well, you have could it? probably Natural Stat Trick will probably have it. I I feel like Hockey Reference probably has. They it. do. Yeah, of course they do. Um, let's see. David Backus. Okay, here's the issue. Uh, oh well, no, he only played six games. Let me see. David Backus is a career 49.9% face-off percentage wow. guy. He must be terrible because he's under 50%. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Derek Grant, hockey reference. Let's see what Derek Grant's uh, face career face-off percentage okay. is. I'm curious. Okay. 52.5. Wow, elite. Elite. He's undeniable. You can't deny that, uh, that kind of skill. <laughs> yeah, so... it. it Ollie is going to be Derek Grant, but it should be David Backus. So this is our lineup. So I, I say David Backus. Yeah, I, I think it's the objective, objectively correct choice. Um, yeah, the, the the Derek Grant thing is weird because it's so weird. He's he's seen as this, you know, really good fourth line center, but he just doesn't. It's really hard to tell what he does so well when you watch him because yeah, he wins faceoffs, he gets his opportunistic goals. But he's not super involved down low. He's not really, I would say, a, a pest on the on the forecheck. He's just kind of he's just kind of there. And and in terms of his shot rates for and against, there, it's not pretty. So yeah, David Backus is the pick here. Who are you putting on the wing? So I think at some point you have to put Danton Heinen somewhere. I think that Danton Heinen will go on one of the wings, and I think the other wing goes to uh, Max Jones. 
So, and I think that that is that is actually a pretty good fourth so line just, actually in the NHL. Just to point point out here, that means the entire Ducks fourth line from last season is not on this roster, not in this Correct. lineup. So, Correct. Delorier, Grant, and Rowney are just healthy scratches or in the minors. Correct. <laughs> I think this says a lot about how we it, view. I mean, this it says team. a lot about the way you and I view the game versus how the Ducks organization. I does. don't think Danton Heinen is that good personally. I think he's. I think his cap hit for what he brings is a bit high, but he's still a more interesting player in a fourth line role than any of the guys that the Ducks had last season. Because at least, yeah. at least he can do something with the puck when he gets it. At least he can make a play. Well, Heinen and Jones are your are, are what you want your modern day fourth liners to be. Mm-hmm. Look at, for instance, look at what Tampa Bay's fourth line was. Now, granted, like Tampa, it's hard to compare the Ducks yes. to Tampa, but <laughs> I, I think that you you can potentially look at what they're doing in terms of building a model uh, of mm-hmm. a lineup that you would potentially want to have. Mm-hmm. Their fourth line, now, granted, it had Pat Maroon on it. Who, but Pat Maroon's a, a little bit of a different player than any of the any Carter Rowney or Derek Grant. Well, or, he's a good player, uh, exactly. Mm-hmm. But it had Cedric Paquette, who's not exactly known for being a, a, a fighter or anything like that. And uh, I don't. I think it would have been Blake Coleman or Barkley Goodrow, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or maybe that was the third line. But still, that that kind of shows you of they they are running out these not necessarily bigger guys. I mean, Blake Coleman is 5'11", 200 pounds. The, these are not big guys. And, and so you don't need that that stereotypical fourth line. It seems like the Ducks are trying to go back in time by by forcing these fourth liners into that role instead of just playing your best players. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and again, it's not because I think that Jones and Heinen are these excellent players, but they're just they're more interesting in they're, that role. They're, they're, they're the best players available. Sure. <laughs> sure. I, I mean, I think that's the best way to put it. Yeah, exactly. And I think that with Max Jones, he's kind of the prototypical guy who in today's game should be on the fourth line because he's a relatively skilled player who can drive play, but just can't score. So put that guy in a depth role, right? It doesn't make a ton yep, of sense, Exactly. but he's still going to be able to thrive in those minutes. So how do you feel about this forward lineup? Uh, so compared, let, compared to last season, oh yeah, let's, let's just go. Th- mm-hmm. Let's just go through it top to bottom. So we've got Raquel. The first line's Raquel, Getzloff, uh, Terry. The second line is Zegras, Henrique, uh, Silverberg. Third line was Comtois, Steele, Milano. Fourth line was Jones, uh, uh, Bacchus. Jones, Bacchus, and then Heinen. Um, I think I like this lineup a whole lot more than last season, partially because the fourth line is actually. Uh, entertaining, enjoyable. Yeah, and and, and better. Get, can not get cratered. <laughs> and better. Yeah, better. <laughs> and, and I think there is some there is some depth scoring throughout the lineup. I don't think this lineup is going to be able to have a, a top line, like I said, there or any line that can just dominate and you can rely on to just win you a game. If this team's going to win, it, it it's going to be because a goal can gum, come from any line. Even the fourth line with uh, Jones or, or Heinen, they can get a goal out of nowhere and, and actually drive play and generate offense for the team. Um, and, and so I think that this lineup actually does have some depth scoring to it. And I think that's an important thing for this lineup. And I, cause I mean, if this ducks team is going to make the playoffs, if they're going to be in quote unquote, win now mode, if they're trying to be competitive, the only way that they're going to be competitive is with goals up and down the lineup. Mm-hmm. They don't have one line that's going to generate, uh, enough goals for them to be dominant. They need goals up and down the lineup. And, and I mean, the first line you, you have Raquel and you have, uh, 
you have Terry who and Getzloff, and there are going to be some goals that can come for that. I think Raquel's going to have a bounce back year because you look at his under, underlying numbers. He should have a bit of a bounce back, potentially be in the 25-plus goal season or 25-plus goal range. With with the second line, you have Zegras, who's a bit of an unknown, but the creativity there, and you have Henrik and Silverberg. That potentially could be the best line for the Ducks, honestly. Mm-hmm. L- looking at this, that that could be the line that generates the most offense because you, with Zegras, maybe Henrik and Silverberg become 25-plus, 30-plus goal scorers, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe I mean, that's a little bit too high. But it's hard, I, to, I pre- it's hard not, to predict, yeah. But, but that's in the realm of possibility. And the third line does have some offense in it. I mean, Comtois does have the ability to generate goals. Mm-hmm. Um, Sonny Milano has some ability there. Sam Steele, uh, <laughs> that, that's how I feel about that. Well, but, the thing you got to keep in mind with, with those players is that they're still on the upswing. They could still get a little better. And, well, And, and mm-hmm. they're being put in positions to succeed. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was a lot of talk last season about Sam Steele being ready to become the first line center. And it's like, <laughs> no, that, that's not where he should he be. He wasn't this ready to be third the, line center. So <laughs> no, and so I, I think that this is exactly putting guys into positions to succeed, and I think that's an important part with the lineup that we've built. We, yeah. I, I think maybe the only player that we haven't put into positions to, to succeed necessarily would maybe be Zgras. Yeah, but I think he's good enough to to do that. Still. Well, also keep in mind this is our opening. I would say this is the opening night lineup, so things could change if if he shows that he's not ready. You can adjust. There's enough extra yeah. forwards in this team where you can adjust around that. Um, exactly. But I think it makes more sense to have Zegras on the wing for now, just for this roster. Now, what, what kind of sucks is that I would actually be curious to see Zegras on the, at third line center and then have steel on the wing for one of these lines, because steel played at wing a couple of times last season. And he, he looked okay doing it. And maybe he isn't cut out to be a center in the NHL. Who knows? Um, so that would also be something that a card that I'd be curious to play if I'm Dallas Aikens next season. Not not something that I'm committed to, but just something I'm trying if maybe one of those guys isn't really going at that time. Yeah. Oh. All right. So I think that that's kind of it for that question, unless there's anything else you want to add. Um, I would just quickly say that for the blue line, um, there's just there's just not a whole lot of variety there to go into. We already know pretty much it's going to be Manson, Lindholm, Fowler, Shattenkirk for your top four. And then after that, it's just a grouping of about three to four guys for your third pairing. So I would personally have Juice with um, probably Hockenpah for my third third pairing. Coran, <laughs> mm, yeah, or or Curran. I mean, whoever. I'd, I'd ha- Cur- Coran can play the right side. I'd rather have them there. He's a bit of. I, I think maybe or Curran. Yeah. It's a little bit of the mystery. It's a little bit of the mystery box scenario of the. You the, just don't know what you're gonna get. Fa- yeah. The great Family Guy skit of do you want the boat or do you want the mystery box? Yeah. And it's like the mystery box could even be a boat. Or should have just taken the boat. Or call up Josh Mahura. Give him a shot. Yeah. yeah. If I'm in charge of this lineup, you know what? Let's put in Mahura and uh, maybe leave Juice as your seventh D man and have uh, have Curran on the right side. Something like that. Yeah. Um, go for it yeah so there you go okay anyway <laughs> all right so the next question came from uh stevie wonder dm dust at crash Pond saying question for tonight's show are there any notable star slash nhl or probabilities or similar players for any ducks for any of the players taken after colangelo in this year's draft also curious about some of the ducks older prospects like steel and comtois and how they grade out not sure if you can put it all out all that on the main show but i'm also a patron so maybe we'll get into that a little bit more on the patreon but Real quick, let's get into maybe some of the the higher round uh, picks from this past draft. Not trying to give out all of Byron Bader's information, <laughs> but for instance, Sam Colangelo is actually rated. You've mentioned this pretty highly. He has a fifty five percent chance of becoming an NHL or twenty eight percent of 
percent chance of being uh, a star. His uh, comparables, Mika Zabinajad's one of them. Sheldon Keefe's another. Esatikanen, Ivan Barbashev, and Jason Arnott. So a little bit of a of a kind of mixed bag there. Well, also in terms of, also uh, keep in mind that these are based on offensive production in their draft year. So correct. It's the way that this model works. It's not really it's not really fine enough to cat to look at how a player plays and play styles and different things like that. It's purely looking at their offensive production and how it projects. So yeah, it, it's and, tough with some of those comparisons. <laughs> and so 100%, one of the, actually the players that I briefly want to talk about, mm-hmm. I want to heap a little bit of praise onto the ducks for doing this. Cause I was not happy with this pick because of who was on the board, but in hindsight, this is, could be a very, oh, great I know where you're going. This, with this is, this is partially because on my drive out to Vegas, I listened to the most recent Elite Prospects yes, uh, podcast. Yes, I knew this is where this is which, going. <laughs> which is a very good episode. Um, J.D. Burke and uh, Craig Budden did a deep dive on the draft. It was about two hours. It was perfect for a drive to Vegas. <laughs> um, and they talked about Ian Moore in depth and how he could just be a steal of the draft. And basically, J.D. Burke said he saw him in person. And basically, the the first period, it was kind of a mess. There were a lot of errors by him. But then the second period, he was the best player by far on the ice, and it wasn't even close. And so Ian Moore could be, be could become a really good NHL. Yeah, no, the, he is a bit raw, right? That's the thing with him. It's, it's yes. going to take time. But yeah, I... I really like that pick for the Ducks because he does profile as a as he has a I mean in the third round to to get a guy with even in this model for a guy who wasn't that productive to get a forty six percent NHL or probability that's that's pretty good if you're looking at it just yeah from that perspective what's interesting now with the Ducks is that they kind of had this collection of blue liners who some are going to take longer than others but I think it's it's almost fair to be. They've got a good crop. It's it's almost fair to be a little excited about what they have on the back end, both uh, in the in the system and the pipeline on the roster. It's kind of a good group now. <laughs> well, because I mean, you've got on the left side, you've got Mahura. Mm-hmm. Is Moore's right right handed, isn't he? Correct, I believe. So you've got Moore on the right. You've got Drysdale on the right. Henry Thrun, I think, is right handed also. So you've got a good crop of defensemen right there, mm-hmm. um, and it it's pretty exciting. I mean, you've got Juice also, who's a l- little bit older. He is but older. Still, you can you he's fringe prospect. I don't know if I would necessarily consider him that, um, but it, it's definitely a fun group. I mean, you also have uh, Jackson Lacombe, who's a name that I just completely you, you kind of leave out of your head when you're talking about defensemen. But he was the second round pick last right, year, right? And so that's a pretty high draft pick to to use on a guy. And so if he can develop and become what they saw by taking him in the second round, um, there's another option. So the ducks have amassed a really good, uh, group of, uh, defense. So by prospects. the way, now, Henry Thrun is a, is a left shooting D he is a left. Mm-hmm. Okay. That, that makes it actually even a little bit better yeah. I think, <laughs> by having him on the left side, um, with kind of how this draft worked out. So I think on the patron, maybe we'll get into a little bit more. Maybe we dive into a little bit more of Byron well, Mater's probabilities. We, we we have a patron episode coming out this week. One thing I would say is that with um, with guys like Lacombe and Moore and Thrun, even though some may grade well in this model, which looks primarily at production versus age versus league quality of competition, um, I think that it's a little... I've kind of landed on it being a little less... Um, it's tough on defense. I think, yeah, I think it's it, it, it's harder. I think it, it's not as good in terms of evaluating defensemen. It is great in terms of evaluating forwards because that is 
what you're looking to get in a forward. And I mean, you could argue that you should be wanting scoring at every position, but we know that that's not really how the sport works, at least right now. And so to evaluate defensemen, I think it's a little dangerous to just purely look at this kind of model. And no one does that. And I don't think even a guy like Byron Bader, the creator would, would argue for that, but just putting that out there because as I've kind of spent more time thinking about it and researching the ducks prospects, I realized, yeah, like a guy like Ian Moore is exciting, but that might not show up in something like this. So putting that out there caveats. Yep. All right. So here we go. McQuinnon asks us, how do you guys feel about the ducks competition level as a team this coming season? And if the Canadian division comes to fruition and you have teams like Colorado and Minnesota filling out the strange Pacific division, how do you feel about the upcoming season? So real quick, let's, let me just run through this. I think the 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 teams that I would have in my head coming to the Pacific, if they did that Canadian division, because the Pacific division has to be eight teams, your teams would be Anaheim, L.A., uh, San Jose. You would have Colorado. You'd have Arizona. You'd have Vegas. Uh, you'd have Dallas. You'd have Minnesota. That's probably the eight teams that would be in the quote-unquote Pacific division mm-hmm. um, if the Canadian border is still an issue. Um, how would you feel about the Ducks' chances in that uh, group? it's not much different than how I feel right now, to be honest with you. The Ducks the Ducks are just another team right now that's kind of in that big group that's trying to get into the playoffs. They they don't really they don't really Do you think they have a chance in that group to make the playoffs, I guess is the better question. Because mm-hmm. I I think it's it's tough because I think Dallas and Minnesota, I think Minnesota specifically, I think will be pretty good next year to very good next year. Wow. Very uh, good. Da- very good. I, they they could be they could be where's the very they, where's the very in this coming from uh it's thinking caprizov is going to come in and be uh entertaining and score goals for them entertaining i love how that's your word for for players he'll eh, he'll be entertaining you know go with it go with it but i i think minnesota is going to be and their underlying numbers were, were really good last year yes and i think that's where maybe you well, could the, see a jump if, if their underlying numbers are still there and they can find some goals on top of that yeah. i think that's going to be a big jump for them um, and, and so I, I think Dallas maybe takes a step back because they're a bit of an older team. Maybe that happens. So things have to go the right way for the Ducks to make the playoffs because I'm also working under the assumption that each division is going to get four playoff teams. There's not going to be a wild card mm-hmm. for travel purposes. That's kind of in my head what I'm thinking about it. And so you just have to be top four in the division. Now here's the question. Are the Ducks better than Vegas? No. So you're lo- I, I think you're that, locking that's... in Colorado and Vegas into your, your yeah, four. I, I think that's pretty pretty fair. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's totally fair. And then I think Minnesota is maybe solidly the third in that. I think so. But you're putting so are the Ducks better than Dallas? You're putting Dallas, the team that just got to the Cup final, out of the playoffs in this scenario. For do you? I'm asking you. Um, are they better than the, than I'm, the Dallas Stars? Right I'm saying. That's my my question is if the, for the Ducks to make the playoffs, the Stars have to take a step. Well, up. are the Ducks better than the Canucks? Oh, no, sorry. They wouldn't be in the same division. Exactly. Never mind. Um, what about the Kings? I think the what about the Kings the and the Ducks, Sharks? Honestly. Are the Ducks better, clearly better than either of those teams? I think the Ducks are probably better in terms of offensive talent than the Kings. I think that the Kings may have a better system. They're probably going to be better in a couple of years, but I think you can pretty easily say that this year the Ducks are going to be the better team than the Kings. I think Arizona, who knows what's happening with Arizona. There's a whole lot of weirdness going on. Well, and so also, I think the Ducks could probably be better than Arizona. Yeah, that I'm, I'm totally fine believing that. But, in, like, let's say the Sharks. I mean, I think the Sharks The Sharks could be good. <laughs> they could be. I mean, is Devin, how's Devin Dubnik going to do in a new situation? What are the Sharks going to do without having Joe Thornton? 
uh, anymore. Without without their uh, third line center. <laughs> it, well, yeah, but it, and so uh, it, who knows if Pavelski really was the linchpin for that team, and that's kind of where the fall off happened. There's a whole lot of unknowns. But in my, my my whole thing, and they were bad last year. I agree. They were really. I, bad. I don't I don't deny any of those things. Um, I think that that definitely factors in, but I think they just have enough guys, enough established players where they can just be a playoff team. You know, like they have Couture, Kane, Timo Meyer, Tomas Hurdle, Kevin. Le- no, Kevin they, they have, could have I, I think a bounce I, back I, year. I kind of put them in. I kind of put them in the same situation. I put the Ducks is their team. If, if things go right for them, they could be in the playoffs. But there's also a mm-hmm. pretty real scenario where things don't go right and they're back in this situation again. Agreed. So, I, I don't. I don't think that this setup favors the Ducks. Because no. I think th- they they have to be better than Dallas. They have to be better than Dallas. They have to be better than teams that are not as good as Dallas that or that weren't as good as Dallas yeah. last year. That, that's that's my problem. Yeah. Is it's not even, it's not even that sh- it's not even that simple to me, and that's the issue. Yeah. Um, Fair enough. So, mm-hmm. um, how do you feel about the competition level? Basically, it goes up. It goes up significantly. Yeah, it, I I think I think that the change taking out the Canucks, the Flames, the Oilers. Yeah, and replacing them with Dallas, with good teams. Colorado, <laughs> Dallas, Colorado, Minnesota is really, really tough. Especially the co- the Colorado coming in is the thing that makes it really tough because now you have two juggernauts. Exactly, and I think what makes it tough for the Ducks as well is that you're introducing all of these teams that do things well. That, that the things that they do well, the Ducks just they're strong possession teams. They're strong five on five teams, and teams with like Calgary or Edmonton or Vancouver. Maybe not Calgary in recent years, but definitely Edmonton and Vancouver. You could those were I'm not saying those were freebie games by any means, but those were teams that were kind of down on the Ducks level where even if maybe they have superior star talent, especially with the Oilers, they still weren't very sound teams at five on five. So you could the Ducks could kind of sneak by in those games, but there's nowhere to hide when you're playing a Vegas or a Colorado, even a Minnesota. Minnesota's gonna keep you honest. And now with some influx of yeah. talent that they're gonna get, they're gonna be even harder to deal with. So I mean, this all goes back to my whole, I mean, this is kind of the question surrounding the Ducks in general is what does Bob Murray see in this team that makes him think, oh yeah, we can, we can just go for it now. You know, we'll just, we'll introduce a Shattenkirk and now we're in the hunt again. It's just, that's the hard part for me. And I, I would venture to say that if maybe the Ducks looked more at what we're looking at, not saying we're smarter than them, but if they at least introduce this more uh, analytical perspective into their thought process and their decision-making, maybe they wouldn't be as bullish that they can be back in the playoff hunt next season just by adding yep. a Kevin Shattenkirk. All right. So, uh, Adakopi is the Twitter handle saying, why are all the retro Jersey leaks awful? So for those of you out there that have missed it, granted I had a, a very busy week, so I missed a lot of this and came back to it because of you and CJ texting me about it. But there's been a leak about the uh, almost every single team is going to have a retro style uh, fourth jersey this upcoming year. I have not really seen any of them outside of the rumored Ducks one. So the Ducks one is going to be the Wild Wing crashing through the ice jersey. And Mm -hmm. a little intel that we have. This is what I was meaning to bring up, by the way, that my my mystery topic, because this is the one mystery topic. This this is the one, quote unquote, news item, I guess that uh I think Aesthetics reported that it was potentially they didn't an they orange weren't version. sure on the back, but they weren't sure on the orange. So have we gotten any confirmation no. on this that it's no okay. updates? Do you want to throw it? Do you want to throw it out there? What do you mean? What we potentially know? So the the rumor based on our intel 
yes, our intel, hashtag insiders with three R's or whatever, is that the fourth jersey for the Ducks will be the Wild Wing, but instead of the eggplant background, it'll be black. So how do you feel about that? Because I have mixed feelings on it. So I'm really happy that they're bringing back the Wild Wing crashing through the ice. Now, granted, I would prefer that they just went with the straight Mighty Ducks jersey with with a yes. throwback. Yes, I, exactly. The, we, the, the, here's the issue. <laughs> We've had the straight Mighty Ducks jersey once yeah. in the past, like, 50, 20 or 15 well, ever years. Since they went, however many years. Ever since they went to the – ever since they changed the name of the franchise. So 2006. Yeah, they, they wore they wore it once on a th- on a throwback night mm-hmm. once. So for me, it, it's like, why would you not just and use they that? Look it's so simple. good. <laughs> it's simple, and it would sell. It, here's the thing. Yes, this jersey is going to sell. This jersey will not sell as much as the straight Mighty Ducks jersey uh, is. Well, espe- or, or especially would, in would a year, sold. and especially in the current, especially yeah. right now when jersey sales would be huge. And this jersey would sell not only in hockey communities. It would sell throughout the country. It would sell throughout the world. This jersey would just be flying off the table. So why would you not do it? It just doesn't make sense to me necessarily. Now, granted, I think the Wild Wing jersey will be cool. I think it's such a cartoony thing that, that's part of the history cool. that I think is so fun It's fun it, to bring back. It's dorky in its own fun way. I don't like that they're going black with it because why? Don't, don't do a black jersey. Do colors. Well, your, yeah. your, your main jerseys are already black. Do a color as your your other jersey. So here's here's my thing on this is that with the Wild Wing jersey, just to kind of build off what you're saying, if you're going to bring it back, bring it back. Go whole hog. There, yeah. There's there. Yeah. Why are you threading this needle? This is the most. This is universally this is, viewed as one of the most ridiculous alternate jerseys. That's just so 90s. And so to kind of bring it back, like there's no there's no dulling this thing. It's the Wild Wing jersey. So. Bring it back in all its glory, and um, it's still going to look good. I think it'll look cool in the black. I'm not complaining about that, but the eggplant would have it would it would have also have been a nice way to kind of get eggplant back into the the mix a bit more, make it more prominent. But maybe that's why they're not doing it because they just have a vendetta yeah. against the eggplant. <laughs> maybe, who knows? And here's my one request: if they are going to bring with the the wild wind crashing the ice jersey, they're going to make it black. Mm-hmm. If you have Jade on there, mm-hmm. don't do the teal. Mm-hmm. The that's my bi- that is my biggest issue with the 25th anniversary <laughs> jersey, is that it was not Jade. It was teal. It was the Sharks teal. <gasps> your hate for that jersey is just it's part of your brand uh, at this point. It I it's it's your personal brand he, that you hate that jersey. Well, well, I mean your your exact reasoning on this of just bring it back the way it was. Don't feel the need to modernize it. Don't feel the need to Frankenstein it. That's what that 25th anniversary was. It was them no. trying to modernize it. Them it's trying incorrect. to 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 do this thing. It it did not turn out as that great. The 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 blue or whatever it is looks more like a teal than it does the jade or the green that it should be with the jade. And it looked like a Sharks jersey at the end no, of it No, incorrect, because that wasn't meant to be the Mighty Ducks jersey. That was meant to be uh, a culmination of sure. all their different jerseys. So, but but still, do Jade. Don't do Teal. <laughs> That's fine. I don't know how this turned into just hating on the a jersey that came out three years ago, but it's neither here nor there. Um, um, have there been any other fourth jerseys that you've seen? Oh, so are we are we kind of flipping this to? Other I think teams? The, the question was all of the retro jersey leaks look awful. Oh, I disagree with that. I think some of them look pretty cool. I think that the um, the well the Golden Knights one, which is another one that's been out there, 
Um, it's def. I like that it's a it's an homage to the. I think it's an ECHL team that was there, the the Las Vegas Thunder, and so they're kind of playing off of that with the red jersey that has their. Oh yeah, that does look cool. Yeah, it looks it looks better than their alternate, the golden, the golden child. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then for the Penguins and Flyers, which is another one that's been out there. I love the Penguins one, the white version of the kind of Pittsburgh uh, diagonal script. I think that that looks awesome. It still is not what I want. It's still not the 2D Penguin, but that's fine. Well, I'm, I'm sure we'll get that eventually. Uh, the Flyers one is okay, I, I guess. It's not – it's just – It's I just can't get any excited about anything Flyers jerseys related anymore. They've kind of they, – they've done what they needed to do going back to the classic, and now I just don't know what else there is to do there. Um, outside of that, though, we don't really have any big-time leaks, do we, in terms of... Uh... Uh, not that I know mm-hmm. of. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's there's rumors out there about, like, what the, um, you know, what, like, the Canadians jerseys could look like, the Oilers could look like, but um, until we get, like, a solid report, I'm not... I'm not really going to go off of that, but... So, I guess the, the Ducks jersey slate will just be the first through third that they had this year plus the wild wing which is kind of disappointing because i think that they they could have been a little more aggressive in changing things around for next season especially like you said in this climate where jersey sales would help but um i still like the idea of going with something that's just kind of totally totally out of left field i don't think anyone expected them to bring this back i mean if you were to have guessed what the um if you were to have guessed what the ducks fourth jersey would have been what what would you have gone with? The fourth jersey, just to the straight mighty ducks jersey. No, but like, let's say you're, let's say you're trying to predict what it would have been. Oh, I probably would have honestly predicted the mighty ducks jersey because I, I would think the it would make too much sense for for jersey sales for a lot of different things. So it would make sense to me. That's what you would have predicted. That. That is what I would have predicted is just the straight mighty ducks jersey. Yeah, but given that they're so against that seemingly <laughs> that's pr- that's probably not what i would have gone with especially when you consider that their third jersey is kind of a version of that already um the the orange with the mighty duck logo so anyway jersey talk we can we can we can yeah. do jersey talk all day every day so i think it's about time for for us to talk about our, our good friends over at manscaped so felix what does a guy a guy call his best friends well if you, it, it, I don't think you have an answer for this, nope. but his, they call him or people call him their uh, testy besties. <laughs> of course, Halloween, everyone is right around the corner, and you don't want to spook someone with your scary bush. Our friends at Manscaped want to help you make your boys downstairs clean and best friends of their own. Manscaped is the number one is number one in men's below the waist grooming and offers precision engineered tools. For your family stool, family jewels. You want to talk about uh, a little bit about Manscaped here? I do. I do. The the lawnmower 3.0 revolutionary technology. I to to this day, and I've used them. I've used the lawnmower 3.0 extensively in different regions to different degrees, and wherever I've used them, <laughs> wherever I've used it, have not experienced any nicks thanks to their revolutionary technology. The LED light has helped me with my precision which is obviously a big deal everyone knows what i'm talking about it's fantastic there. so yeah fantastic I, the light's my favorite part. i love it i i've honestly loved it and they also were kind enough to give us a little uh little bag toiletries bag i guess you could call it leather bag very nice just a nice little touch i'm a big fan yeah 
And, and of course, they also sent us, we, we can't forget about the crop crop preserver. It's an anti-chafing uh, ball deodorant and moisturizer. You, you, you already put deodorant on your armpits. So why would you not put it on the smelliest part of your body? Make it smell nice and fresh. And, um, and the Perfect Path Package 3.0 also includes, they sent us this, and I can say it's great. They sent us anti-chafing performance boxer briefs that keeps your package cool and smelling fresh all day Those long. Those are very comfortable, and I will say. They are. They are. And for on-the-go freshness, you know, you're going out for a night out, Halloween's coming up, you want to stay fresh down there? They sent a crop reviver that's a ball toner spray. It, it, it's great. Life-changing type of stuff here. So, um, for those of you out there, though, if you want to go to manscaped.com, you'll get 20% off plus free shipping with the code uh, CTP. You can stay sexy for Halloween this year, and your balls will thank you. So, get 20% off and free shipping with the code CTP at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code CTP. Trick or treat, keep your balls neat. Wow. Well done. Well done. Thank you. Thank you. 11 out of 10. A million. I was very happy. I was very happy about them sending us this updated. You copy. sounded. You, I, I you read, sounded happy reading it. Happy, happy to read it. It made me laugh. I was. I really enjoyed that. Everyone, go go check out Manscaped. They just sent us a fantastic copy that I was able to chuckle through. The please, whole time. please do, please do. It helps the show. It helps you. I mean, it's a win-win for everybody, right? Um, yeah. Okay. So let, let, let's get into the next question. So it's from at Stonehands who. Uh, whose name on Twitter is I suck at hockey. I think we both can uh, agree or we can both sympathize with that of sucking at hockey. Yes. Um, so he had a two part question said, when will general or when will Bob Murray realize that the roster is simply not built to contend? He seems to believe moving peripheral pieces and adding an old defenseman who played well in the best team in the league by a country mile will put us back in it. Will it be too late for him when he does? Do you think that Murray will be let go before he realizes uh, that this roster is not good enough? Oh, that is such a hard question to answer because I think that there is such a potential for this team to still be bad next season despite a- adding mm-hmm. a really good player in, in Kevin agree. Shattenkirk. We talked a bit about the micro stats that I've been able to dive into um, that because of our – actually partly because of – and we'll plug this later, our Patreon. We've been able to use some of that to support Corey's work and so we can then enrich our own – uh, analysis that we're giving to you guys. So looking at the Ducks transitional play last year, they were near the bottom of the league in terms of both carrying in pucks with possession. So in the offensive zone and near the bottom in terms of exiting their own zone with possession. So they were really bad at essentially controlling the puck in transition, which is not, not really the kind of team where you think, Hey, there's a, there's a potential here for, you just inject a little more talent and given that the system seems sound that it will just grow and flourish. It, it doesn't seem like that's there quite yet. And it's essentially the same pieces that are still in place. And when you look at, let's say something like for checking, right, which we, I think can all agree is important, right? I mean, it doesn't being a good for checking team doesn't <laughs> yeah. necessarily mean you're going to be a great team overall, but it's, it's, it's part of it. Uh, I would argue and the yep. Ducks weren't necessarily outstanding in that regard either. And, and we could go and dive in you know, into these stats more and further and further. But the point being, you juxtapose that with the macro stats, just the shot rates. And there's just not really this picture of a team that seems to be a player or two away from competing at a much higher level. Yeah. And so when I think about all of that, I think, well, 
do I believe that this team is going to be significantly better next season? And I would argue no. I don't think they're going to be significantly better. That's just my honest opinion. Um, it's me having thought about it quite a bit. But I, I do think they will be better. It, it yeah. Th- you, do you so? But mm-hmm. do you think this team has what it's what it takes right now to be able to contend in the next two years? And so do you I think, don't. I mean, getting getting. I don't. Getting, I don't think, getting back to the. Uh-huh. Well, no. To get back to the question, I think Bob Murray will stay yeah. around because I think, and this is more of my optimistic side talking. I think that there is enough for this team to get back to being quote unquote competitive. Right. There's two things working in their favor. Yeah. One is the younger players are going to get better how much better they're going to get, how much better they're going to become is up for debate, but they are going to get better. Um, and then you are making your roster better with adding a guy like Kevin Shattenkirk. And then next offseason, you're going to get a bunch of cap room that in theory you can go out and do something with. So there's enough there for me to think that they can get back to being competitive. And for me, that should be enough for Murray to finish out his contract. I don't think that the bar for him to remain is get the Ducks back to the Stanley Cup final. That I don't think that's where the bar is at. I don't think it's at getting to the conference final. I just think this team, whenever we get fans back in the buildings, it's about getting that extra playoff revenue, getting into the yeah, dance. I agree. And that's the most important thing. And I think that there's enough there within the pipeline on the current roster to get back to that within the next two years. Is that fair? Yeah. Is, is, is right. that did I did I, I say I, no, anything I, I wild? Think that's fair because I think some people no, may hard disagree with me on on multiple points there, but that's just just giving you my honest thought of, of this team and where it's at yeah. right now. So and then so uh, he also had another question that was though the rumors have died down, do you still think that there's a real chance Henrik Manson could be moved this off season? I know you're not high on, and this is specifically towards you. <laughs> Uh, I know you're not high on getting line A, but his scoring combined with the fact that he's 22 seems to be what the Ducks need. If Henrique or Manson, uh, if it's Hen- uh, which of those two, if it's Henrique or Manson, which do you think will get moved, basically? I don't think either is getting moved. I think Henrique, his purpose on this lineup is both to be center depth until a guy like Trevor Zegras establishes himself, and also for the expansion draft as a guy you can expose. Yeah. Um, yeah. With Josh Manson, the Ducks have had opportunities to move him that would have made a ton of sense and they haven't and well, they haven't done it so i i think manson i i'm gonna jump in with my answer i think manson does get moved i think there's this off season up of uh, here's the issue the expansion drafts coming I, up i understand the, but the, the, I, I don't think it happens this summer because the ducks they need to put they're clear what they're doing well it's past summer but yeah yeah, yeah, yeah I, I know <laughs> right um, <laughs> god that's yeah that's funny um yeah, it's it's yeah. October and we're talking about uh, we're we're in the off season. Uh, the off season. Yeah, this is talk talk, talk well, about. We've been a, we've been in a perpetual off season. We really haven't. But the, my point is, is that if we're taking the Ducks at their word and that they want to be competitive next year and they're tired of rebuilding, it makes zero sense to trade Josh Manson right now. That that's unless fair. That's unless fair. I, unless you are getting something back that will make you both equally competitive in the short term and potentially better in the long term. Like good luck finding that. That's not an e- those yeah. kind of assets it's, don't really it, get it's traded. Not, it, it's not easy, but I think that I, I think out of the two, I think Henrique being a bait for Seattle is is a good point. Mm-hmm. I, I think the issue that you have is with Manson is the expansion drafts coming up next year, and, and Josh Maher is eligible. And so, granted, it depends you know on how they view Josh, Josh Maher. Where they he's going to get extended. What? And the Ducks will lose Josh Maher in the expansion Something draft. like they are setting the table for the uh, a Theodore-esque scenario to occur again. 
yeah it, it like it wouldn't be as bad as theodore because with mahura at least you can look at it as he is a he is eligible for the expansion mm-hmm. draft so you're not going out of your way to move mm-hmm. a guy but uh, are you going to really use lose another young defenseman because of josh manson who's coming up on 30 like is that really something you want to do like that's a bit i think the ducks are, are pot committed to josh manson I really do. Which is which is crazy to me. Why would you do that to yourself when, like, let me just ask you this though: Who would you rather have moving forward, Josh Manson or Josh Murray? Okay, well, I'm just telling you what they what I think they think. No, I, uh-huh. I know, I know, but I, I'm also asking. Well, you that my question. own opinion on this is drastically different. I think Josh Maher is the True. obvious play. I don't think Josh Manson should really be a cornerstone so, moving forward. A- Apparition chimes in saying you can make a trade with Seattle uh, for them not to take Mahura. Yes, you can. Uh-huh. But here's the issue. The the Ducks did that last time, and look at how that, well, well, that also, kind of ended up. The, right, but but my point also is that I don't know if Mahura is a guy you move heaven and earth for just to just to make sure he's not no, taken. You know, he's, I he's probably going to end up being a third-pairing defenseman, you know, in but all I, likelihood. I think, you, I think you, prefer, you prefer to have the potential for Josh Mahura for this franchise Agreed. moving forward than having Josh Manson going into the the twilight of his career. And I don't know if I think you're right on there that I don't think you go out of your way to make a trade so that so that Seattle doesn't take Josh. Well, Mahura what, and you also what you add in the fact that what you potentially do is you move Josh Manson to Seattle for a pick so that they don't take, let's say Josh Mahura and then, or, or you just don't protect Manson or you just don't Manson's the guy they take. Well, I would prefer trading him because then you're getting something. Right, so you, well, you, that's the if you're Seattle, why would you do that? Well, I think Seattle might value a Josh Manson, and they may look. No, 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 uh-huh. no, no. I, I, I know. My my point is, is if you're the Ducks, mm-hmm. or so if, if you're Seattle, why just why would you give up any asset? You're gonna either get Maher or Manson. Right. Just take whichever one they leave available for you. Agreed. If you're Seattle, and Seattle is very is a team that's hired a lot of people in analytics, a lot of very smart people. <laughs> and and that I guarantee, and that may be a reason why they don't go after Manson because his his numbers aren't actually that great in the recent past. So yeah. So well, the the thing with Manson is I think you you have to trade him. If you don't plan on extending him, he has to be traded at some point, right? You can't, yeah, you can't, exactly. you can't either expose him or let him walk. Either of those things are just poor asset management. Yeah. Um, okay. And so let's get in. So I hope that answered uh, your second <laughs> we tried. part or the second part of that question. We tried. So Sam V said, what is the likelihood of the Ducks going after another goalie? What names are still available to sign a two-way deal? So I don't really know if I'm the Ducks, if I'm wanting to go after a guy that, uh, a goalie that would potentially take a two-way deal. You want to get a guy that is your your backup goalie mm-hmm. so so having a guy on a two-way really doesn't help them that much because that's someone that you could potentially see in the ahl that's going to be making less money when they're down there mm-hmm. so if you're the ducks you want to find a guy that is closer to being a backup right now um obviously ryan miller still out there who knows kind of what ends up happening with that but what are some names left available we've done this a couple different times but what names left available do you think the ducks should be targeting so looking at the list, there's still a number of names that could be of interest. I mean, it's not as long as it once was, but Jimmy Howard would make some sense. I don't know yep. how much he's got left in the bag. I haven't really looked at his numbers. If you if you allow me, if you allow me, maybe four, five, six seconds, I could pull it up. Uh, outside of that, go for outside it. Outside of that, An- you, another. You got Craig Anderson. I was gonna say, yeah, Corey Schneider. Yeah. So 
Yep, and then you you've also got uh, I mean Ryan Miller. Really, it it's kind of that mix of players. I mean Andrew Hammond's technically there also, but I don't know if I would really even going after that. But looking at the names on this list, Michael Hutchinson's there. I don't know how much I would really want to go after that either. So it's really Schneider, Anderson, Howard, maybe JF Barube, maybe. So looking at um, looking at their numbers from last season, um, Howard and Anderson were terrible. Um, Schneider yeah. Schneider barely played in the NHL. When he was in the NHL, he wasn't very good. So, I don't. Garrett Sparks, maybe. Yeah, I mean, you're 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 probably gonna have to take a chance on a on a guy with maybe a less proven track record or doesn't have that name brand value, but that may be the play. Or you just roll the dice with an Anthony Stolarz and just see if, given the opportunity to to really kind of be that go to backup, maybe he does be maybe he does become a quality option. I think that that's there's nothing wrong with going that route right now. Just looking at who's available or maybe Ryan Miller decides he comes back. Although that, that doesn't feel totally realistic right now. Yeah. Uh, and I, I'm really curious what happens with Ryan Miller, honestly, because we've talked about it before, but the ducks need to get a, a goaltender signed uh, to be able to meet the expansion draft requirements. Mm-hmm. And Ryan Miller, more likely than not is only going to sign a one year deal. And to be, you have to be on a two year deal to be able to meet that, uh, requirement. So, I mean, granted, the Ducks could always just extend Stolars or something like that to cover it. Mm-hmm. But, um, I mean, it, it kind of is looking where maybe you just stick it out with Stolars. Yeah, that's... With, with everything that's left. Well, John Broadbent, who I feel like we just quote every podcast... Um, good friend of the good show. Good friend of the show. With, up, with good up, reason. With good hope, reason. Hope, hope you're doing well in New Zealand right now. Oh, well, they're doing great. They have... Yeah, they, they are. They have fans in stadiums. They have no COVID. So, Yeah. So it's the best time in history to live in New Zealand. Um, he seems to isn't he on the train that Lucas Dostal is going to be in the AHL once that starts up? Yeah, so that's something I should correct. I, I think on the last episode I said that because he's playing over in Europe, he's not eligible. So that is actually an SHL thing only. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dostal I think is eligible to be able to come over to the AHL. So maybe it is Dostal coming over. I mean. Dostal supposedly, I've been seeing a lot of chatter on Dostal of late, and it's funny because you and I talked about this a little bit ago about how he may be what it was a Patreon episode where we went through the the Ducks prospect system, right? Mm-hmm. And I think we both He's agreed like a that top five he may prospect. be the second best. <laughs> yeah, he he. I think we had him second, maybe. Yeah, something like that. But he's like had a really good start to the start to his season over in the KHL. Uh, play or no, he's not in the KHL. Is he's playing in Liga? I believe. Let me check. Yeah, he's playing in Liga. Uh, he has a 9.49 save percentage. Yeah. So in six games, like he's had a he's five and one. He's had a great start. So it would not shock me if he comes over and maybe I mean, maybe there's your backup. That that would shock me that if he does it, that would maybe by the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We'll see. But I would prefer him being in the AHL getting starts. Yeah, same. I think that for goalies, you have to take it as slowly as you can. <laughs> Unless you're like yeah. a Carter Hart yeah. or Carey Price or something well, I, like I that. Well, <laughs> I think you want him to get games instead of sitting on the bench. But then again, there is something to be able – I mean, we, we talked about this. Who knows how the AHL season is going to go? Who knows when it's starting? There's a whole lot of It'll question happen. marks there and a whole lot of myths. It'll happen. It, it will, but when when is it going to start? And so uh, – a whole lot of uh, question marks coming forward, but I think Dostal and San Diego would be a good fit, and maybe that means Stolarz is up in the uh, NHL as the backup. Yep. Yeah. So uh, here we go. Sith Lord, we said you get two moves this off season: <laughs> one for cap relief, 
and another to acquire a player to push the Ducks towards contention within the realm of realism. Oh, man. Th- what do you, this is what a do hard you do? one. I should have studied for this question. Um, well, for cap relief, this is the hard thing because the cap relief move is going to make you worse. And then to get the player to make you better, you're going to have to give something up. So I, I don't know. Do you just trade David Backus for nothing? It has to be real. It has to be within the realm of realism. So Manson to somewhere, or Henrique to somewhere, or Manson or, Hen- or Manson, Manson or Henrique are the are the two that are out. Mm-hmm. I, I, one of the, one of those is out if you're looking for cap relief. Mm-hmm. And, and I think the uh, the the player that I think you bring back, it's got to be Vince Dunn. Oh, this is your move. This is granted. I realized of late, for whatever reason, I kept thinking Vince Dunn was right hand shot. He's actually left. Yeah, you've been on that. I don't. I have. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. My brain's been in a very weird position the last couple of last month or so. So I, I think I get a bit of a mulligan there. Yeah, but that, yeah, that's fine. take the L on that one. But still, I think Vince Dunn makes the team a lot better. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna say get Vince Dunn. That's a move that not only makes the team better right now, but move, makes them better moving forward. Okay. So your move is to trade Josh Manson for a pick. Trade Manson or Henrique. Uh-huh. Yeah, trade Manson or Henrique for a pick. It's, and it's then not, make a hockey trade to be able to get Vince It's done. not the sexiest kind of like trade tree, but I think it does make them better in the long term. So I, I yeah. think I think that does that does make sense. Okay. What are yours? I I don't know. I mean I, I agree on the Manson or Henrique. That's that's pretty obvious. But after that this is the hardest thing about improving from a trade perspective is that teams aren't really looking to trade the guys who are currently part of their long-term or, you know, who are going to be both good long-term and are good now and are affordable. Like that just, that just doesn't really happen. So I don't know who would be out there that would even be available. Right. Yeah. I think that's the issue is, I mean, line is really the only name that's significantly out there. Shane Gostabers out, Gostas bears out there, but he's not really a guy I would really push for right now. I think Shattenkirk really has filled up a lot of the holes on the the defense. If you're looking to put uh, for the ducks to push towards contention right now, I think you'd be looking for someone high end. Maybe you look at getting a Kyle Palmieri. That's a name that's been rumored out there, but I think he's getting, I think he's getting extended. Isn't he? Is he? I think, well, I, I don't like, know. I, I I have not been able to pay attention to the rumor mill this past week. So, <laughs> Yeah, you're so behind on all the things that happened. Um, yeah, there's so much. Yeah. Well, what I will say is that I think if you just look at, I'm just really out on Patrick Line at this point. I've, I've completely talked myself out of it. Here is a guy. Oh, here we go. This makes no sense for the long term. But if you're trying, was the question about the long term or just make yourself better now? It just said push them towards contention. Steven Stamkos is available. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, Fair. I'm just all in on this now. Steven Stamkos, you're just throwing it out there. Steven Stamkos is available, makes a lot of money, but does something very well, which is score goals, finish at an above average rate. That the something the Ducks don't do. That well. the Ducks don't have. They just. They just don't have that at all. Um, so, yes, yeah, Steven Stamkos pushes them to contention. He's There's not one player, I think, that you can get right now that just does that all in one fell swoop to, to really push you forward. But he does fill a very clear need, and he fills a need that's just difficult to fill. So Yeah, and 
apparition brings up, how would that even work cap wise? And I think I that don't that's know. a fair point. But granted, I don't know. We weren't asked to, to figure I, yeah. out the cap. I'm not the cap the, guy the, here. The cap sheet of it. <laughs> we we were just we were just told to move a guy out for cap relief. Which granted, we did. Well, you um, have to you have to target the teams fine. that have cap trouble, and Tampa is one of yeah. them. Yeah. Yeah, and and so there there's there's. There's a way you can make this work. I would really need to do a dive into players to move out, players to move in, different things like that. But uh, Stamkos uh, is a player that would significantly make the team better. Now, granted, an NJ Devils fan brings up in our Twitch chat says, isn't he injury prone? Yes. Yes. But but you take that risk. You take the risk because the upside is you finally have a 30 to 50 goal scorer and your, your power play woes aren't necessarily solved in one shot, but close to it um finally having an elite yeah. finisher you could argue that this is the this is the case for patrick line <laughs> and so why why do it why, why take that risk on stamkos when you could just do it with a younger version of stamkos but i think stamkos didn't have the never had the kind of red flags that line had right now and the problem with line is you're going to have to extend him in the very you know in the short term and that's that's also an issue um it doesn't make a ton of sense but but it does Ooh. it does at least improve them nj devils fan 68 brings up what about johnny hockey johnny gaudreau well so is he a that is a name that's also in the rumor mill it is um so if you look at if you look at johnny gaudreau's contract um it's definitely less prohibitive than uh, than Steven Samkos with four years left at eight and a half million. Goudreau is has two years left at six point seven five. He's twenty seven, and although he doesn't bring the kind of booming one timer and you know that that one really kind of tangible element, he definitely brings the kind of player that the Ducks don't really have either. Just a guy who's quick, can be a playmaker, can make others around him better. Um, I think that that would make sense. I don't necessarily know what Calgary would be looking for in that deal, though. I guess there maybe you you have to throw in a, a Trevor Zegras, or you have to you have to throw in a Contois. You're probably going to have to let go of a a good prospect. And so, is that is that worth it to you to get a Johnny Gaudreau on your team? Yeah, I I mean I think it is worth it. I think the other issue. I mean, it depends on what Calgary is looking for. If they're looking for something for win now, if they're looking for someone uh, to potentially push them over the edge. And if, if it is Comtois going there, I think you'd have to give them a bigger piece for now. Mm-hmm. Maybe more picks. If it's Zgrass, then it's less of that. And I don't think you do Zgrass for that. I think maybe you can build a package around Comtois potentially, but mm-hmm. uh, who knows? So, I mean, Apparition Brace on Twitch that's saying they wouldn't move anyone but Zgrass. I agree with that completely. I think anyone else is completely on the board. Um, I just wouldn't move Zgrass. I probably would put Drysdale in that conversation also. Oh, those are the two. Yeah. That, those are those are probably the only two untouchables I would have. Yeah. Um, so let's move on to the final question we got, and then we can get into the Twitch chat. Uh, if you guys have any questions, uh, start throwing them in, actually, because this probably will be a bit of a short answer. But McCann, uh, Sanford, good friend of the show, good buddy of ours, said, uh, what Pacific team are you most concerned about next season? Concerned about as in like that they could – you know that they're in what sense i think if you're a ducks fan who's going to be good and i think that we we've kind of covered this already but i think if it's the real line pacific division we've talked about it's going to be colorado and vegas so well but that's you kind of know that either way you know whether you're playing yeah but i think the team that you're realistically concerned about in terms of 
you know, who, who are we competing? Who, who are we competing with for that particular spot? So you mentioned Dallas earlier, and I think that that's definitely a, a realistic one um, because although you can, mm-hmm. you can already say, yeah, sure, of course, they're going to be a team you're competing with. Um, they are going to be taking a step back probably, but they're still right around that, that range where they're going to be in the hunt. Another, th- another team that you probably have to worry about is I already talked about them, but is the sharks, because although I don't think they will be good next season, I think that they'll be good enough to where those games that the ducks are going to have to win to stay in the, in the hunt in their division, they're not, there's not really going to be an easy game for them. There's not going to be a point feeder. Um, you know, maybe the Kings are going to be that. I think the Kings are have another year of misery before they really turn a corner. But the Sharks are not going to be an easy out. Maybe if Devin Dubnik uh, and Martin Jones have any kind of a revival, then you're in then you're in trouble. So yeah, the Sharks are probably the team I'm worried about, just in terms of who your direct competitors are for that final spot. Yeah, I, I think and we didn't mention, but we talked about it earlier. The Minnesota Wild are also yeah, but yeah, yeah that's I'd a good say one. If you're looking for if you're looking for the teams the Ducks are going to have to compete with for a playoff spot, now granted this is in the real line uh, Pacific Division that we've talked about earlier, but the Ducks are going to need to compete with the Minnesota Wild, the Dallas Stars, and probably the San Jose Sharks. We're also completely overlooking a team that's better than the Sharks and Ducks and the Arizona Coyotes. So are, so are they realistic? Are they going to be in the Central or the the Pacific? No, no, no. I mean, if if you have Colorado, Dallas, Minnesota, well, yeah, all in the Pacific, it's I, Arizona still also. I, I don't think Arizona is going to be very good next year. Is that is, is that enough. too spicy yeah, Ar- of a take? The the Arizona to the Central thing is going to happen when Seattle comes. Yeah, out. I just think, I just think Arizona's bad. I just, no, they they could definitely fall off a cliff. Yeah, like a, a big cliff. Now they have some guys in the pipeline who maybe if some of them make the jump that they could get a little better. Um, Clinton Keller is still presumably on the upswing, but I just don't really know where their kind of improvement is going to come from and. Uh, they didn't look good in the playoffs, even though they they quote unquote you know turned heads. I think that they they kind of got outplayed, and so I, they turned heads because of Darcy. Kemp. Yeah, exactly. They they turned heads because of goaltending, and that's not really a recipe for long term success. Yeah, um, yeah, I agree with that. So I'm gonna throw this out there real quick. Uh, so in our Twitch chat, though, if anyone has questions, throw it in there. But for those of you listening to this in the podcast form or the U- or watching us on YouTube, we do a live stream of the show each and every time. You can find us at twitch.tv slash crash the pond. If you want to support the show, go there. If you have Amazon Prime, you get one free Twitch Prime sub each and every time. You just have to hit that subscribe button after 30 days. Also, if you want to f- uh, hit the follow button, that is something completely free to you. You don't have to do anything. You'll get notified anytime that we go live. If you do subscribe to, th- to the show, you'll get special emotes in the chat, special badges next to your name, and uh, it does help support the show significantly. So thank you so much to everyone that's done that. So we had one early on that I want to go back to. Gabe Greenlee said, what do you guys think Isaac Lundstrom's ceiling is? Ooh, I go back. You could ask me that question any given day of the week, and the, the answer will vary depending on, on my mood that day, what I've read, what I've eaten. It, it just completely changes. So right now, I'm kind of somewhere in between where I think he tops out as a fourth-line center and where I think he yep. could be a second-line center. And I just don't know. Nope. And I feel like there's not a lot of middle ground there. He either flames out or becomes a kind of serviceable middle six guy. I, I think his ceiling is a third line center. I think that's his absolute ceiling. If we're talking about absolute ceiling, I think his absolute, I, I don't, I, I don't, I don't think he can become a second line guy. Really? 
Yeah, I don't. I I just don't see it. I don't. I don't see the production. Yeah, a second line guy still has to be able to produce, and that's the issue. There's mm-hmm. Isaac. I mean, maybe he's a second line center on a bad team, <laughs> and maybe. Ouch. But that that that's that's still not a second line center though. He, he's a third line center. He doesn't have the 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 ability to score a goal, mm-hmm. to or the point production to be able to make it worth uh, that spot in the lineup. What confuses me about Isaac Lindstrom is that when I watch him play, I think, oh, there's a there's an interesting player there. He's got good hands. He's got good vision. He he's not the fastest or the quickest, but he's got good mobility. And so that kind of player intrigues me. And I think that that's the kind of player that could potentially thrive in an elevated role. But when I look at his numbers in the minors, especially where the lack of production, the AHL is what really concerns me. He's had periods of time in the NHL where although he hasn't produced, he's put up really good underlying numbers. And some of that is because he's played with players who um, are really good, like a Raquel and Silverberg. But right now, for example, bringing it back to Byron Bader's probabilities model, Lundestrom is at 46% probability to make the NHL. (laughs) So we're not even talking about being a star player because that is at 5%. It's essentially just a, 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 a done debate. I mean, there's nothing left to argue there. But it's he's not even trending well in terms of making the NHL. So that does concern me a little bit. I will trust my eyes somewhat on this one. And I still think there's potential there, but it's definitely not trending in the right direction. Yeah, I agree. So apparition asks us, do you think if the ducks have a chance to make the whatever or make whatever the playoffs are this season, will they move draft picks at the deadline to load? up? I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't, I don't trust Murray. (laughs) I think he would. I don't think so because that, that's you, you can't justify that just because you're trying to make the playoffs one year. Um, they're not they're not that close enough. And the Ducks, the Ducks have shown mostly that they they can build through the draft. So for them, it doesn't make sense to move first round picks or no and it, second it, round picks. It does not unless like we've seen in the past, where in sixteen seventeen, you know you you're already a good team. And you, you think you can bring in that additional piece like a Patrick Eves, right? It didn't really pan out necessarily, but the thinking at least can be justified at that point. Right now, there's just no justification for it. Um, unless, hey, maybe, like, let, let me throw this scenario at you. What if the Ducks are, it's the trade deadline and the Duck, which, you know, would be in April or May. I don't, I don't know what this trade deadline would be, but who knows? Um, who knows? But assuming that we have this trade deadline and the ducks are showing great signs of improvement, the young players have all taken steps forward towards Harry. You know, they're, they're all NHL players. Um, and you're maybe doing it without writing John Gibson. You're, you're doing it, writing some good underlying play. Is it justifiable to move out a, a second round pick to, to help that roster? No, really? Because I think what you're looking at is your. I, I think no, because I think what you want to look at is you. If you trade for a guy that's shifting other guys out of the spot in the lineup that they've now had success in, that these kids have been able to prove that they've had success let's in. Let's say the trade. So you're taking let, let, away a let's spot. Let's say you're bringing them. a good player, a player that helps the team. You're just completely mm-hmm. against it. Depends. Well, it. It depends on the, their age. It depends on their age, depends on what you have to trade to get them. It, I guess it really is, if it's a guy that's 23, 24, and you're making the team better by doing it, sure. But if it's a guy that's 30, that's you're trading, essentially if you're trading for a rental. Mm-hmm. If you're trading for, I would not do a rental trade. That's the key thing mm-hmm. here. 
Okay. I would not trade picks for a rental. I, I think that's the issue. For me, it just it just um, depends how the team is playing. If if the team is still fair. this kind of wishy washy team, and you don't know what you're going to get night to night, and it still depends so much on Gibson, then it doesn't make sense to invest further into that and and take away from yeah. your future prospects. Yeah. So all right, let's end with this question. Hit me. So I think it's an interesting Hit one. Me. Lewis X two hundred nine asked us. This is mainly because of baseball, but if the if the hockey season is shortened in any fashion, whether it's sixty games, whether it's like fifty, who knows how low they go with mm-hmm. it. Um, but if it's shortened, does that help the Ducks get in the playoffs? I don't know. <laughs> I'd say yes. I mean, here's, here's in theory, the is, in theory, when, possibly whenever, because if goaltending, whenever you shorten the, whenever you make the sample size smaller, it allows for more variation. But that um, could hurt you. Mean so. <laughs> it, 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 it could it could hurt you, but I think if you're a good team, it could potentially hurt you more than if you're a bad team, if that makes sense. So it's one of those things where a short season helps a bad team more than it helps a good team because you're able to kind of sure. uh, punch above your weight for longer because the sh- season is not as long. You don't have to maintain that uh, yeah, that pace. That's fair. So it, it benefits the worst teams more than it benefits the good teams. So I'd say for the Ducks, yes. That that is beneficial for them, um, and I think it could help them be in the playoff mix. Okay, I don't necessarily agree, so, but okay. Fair enough. <laughs> All right, so I think that's going to do it for tonight, us tonight, though, which is kind of perfect. We're right around the the hour thirty mark. Yeah, thanks everybody for submitting your questions. Uh, that was really awesome to get through that. Some of those definitely threw us for a bit of a loop. I think that the, the, and that's good. The, it's good to be challenged. It's good to to think about these topics because that's. That's what this time of the year is for. You know, the the kind of big moves have passed. We're waiting on the season to arrive, whenever that will be. So now it's time to to sort through the bigger the bigger questions. What are we doing here? Where where is this going? And uh, for the Ducks, the more I've thought about it, I just I'm very curious how this is all going to end up because Bob Murray is is hitching his wagon to something where I don't know if it's if that's that's what you want to hit your wagon Advisable. to. Yeah, exactly. I don't know if this is now is the time to do that, but that's the path he's chosen and he seems hell bent on making it work. So we're, we're going to benefit from it from an entertainment perspective. That is for sure. So on that note, uh, if you are enjoying the show, if you like what you're hearing, there's a number of ways that you can support us further. Uh, one of the ways that definitely goes a long way and helps us kind of keep things running, you know, get, the equipment take more. Oh, sorry. Very quickly, Ginger Wolf had a question earlier. Classic in the Jake. Chat and Class, I get classic Jake. I Very start. Much. I start my little outro, and then oh no, no, hey, no, hey, you know, no, it's it's you know, all good. You know, it's, it's here, all good. Here we go. Ginger Wolf, who's a great friend of the pod, so I want to get their question. Mm-hmm. Asking is Jacob Larson done with the NHL? No. So then we forgot to talk about this news, and I think that this is something worth bringing up. Larson was loaned uh, over to Europe. Now, granted, it's a uh, it's an Alves, Alvenskin team, right, I believe, which is a short-term loan, which allows him to come back this yeah. year. But do you think he's done with the NHL? No, I don't think he's done. Um, I think that he's kind of – this is – it's time is running out for him, though, uh, in terms of the, – because the thing you got to think about is that with, with Jacob Larson, he – even if he it doesn't work out for the Ducks, someone else has to want him, right? 
if if the for whatever reason the Ducks don't keep him around. And so has he done enough for another team to really covet his services? Right now, I don't think so. He's 23 though. He's got 2 years left at 1.2 million. He's far from being done with that kind of contract. He's going to be an RFA again after that. So it would it would take the Ducks not qualifying him uh for for him to to leave the the organization and then it would take all the th- the 31 other teams at that point to pass on him to to be for him to be done with the NHL at what would be age 25 26 so i don't think he's done right now i do think there's a possibility he's done by that point because he has shown little to date very little and what he has shown has been mostly bad uh he's not good defensively doesn't bring anything offensively he's not really physical um doesn't really move the puck that well his awareness in his own zone leaves a lot to be desired. So I'm just kind of waiting. Maybe next season will be the season where we see the breakout for Jacob Larson and he puts something together, but it's trending in the wrong direction, but the organization sees enough and saw enough in him to give him that two year extension as opposed to a one year. Um, so yeah. I, I think we're, we, we haven't seen the last of him by any means. Probably not. So, all right, now you can continue. <laughs> Are you sure? I want you to think that through. Yes. I, I want you to put no, I've, a lot of thought into this. I, I have. I have. <laughs> Don't worry. Okay. Well, a few different ways you can support the show. Um, we do have a Patreon page, patreon.com slash crash the pond. So for a dollar a month, there's two uh, support tiers. So for a dollar a month, a, a monthly pledge, you get access to our patrons only discord chat, which especially when there's a lot of news going on, for example, during free agency, the draft, and when the season eventually starts back up. Things get crazy in there, and especially on uh, on Free Agent Frenzy Day, uh, I almost said July 1st, whenever it was, <laughs> uh, we had a lot of people in there. It was a lot of fun. Just uh, we, we got to all react live to Derek Grant being brought back, which which broke some people, made some people laugh, everything in between. It was a lot of fun. Uh, we're going to find some... It hurt. We're going to find some ways to kind of keep that train going, because I think it, we all benefit from that. It's just... Basically, a collection of people who just really enjoy the game, really enjoy talking about it, follow this team very closely, and and that's the kind of environment, the kind of community that we want to foster. So you can get all that for a dollar a month, a buck a month. Now, for five dollars a month, uh, you get access to the Discord chat, but you also get access to two bonus episodes. And and Jake teased it earlier. Actually, he did what I do to him. He he springed upon me that we're recording one this week. Uh, without previously discussing mm-hmm. it, which is great. I don't think I, I mean, don't think I didn't notice that. Um, yeah. So, on those bonus episodes, we get into we do deeper dives onto different topics. Sometimes we'll go league wide. Sometimes we'll talk. We'll do awards, right? So picking the different awards, Nora's Heart, uh, looking at different um, our own awards. Sometimes we'll do really deep dive Ducks topics. So we'll we'll craft the lineup. We'll we'll rank previous coaches. What's great about those episodes is that you get direct input into the topics because we have the Discord chat. So you can we, we, we always make sure to ask you guys, hey, what are you feeling for the next episode? So you, you can have a direct influence there. Uh, so that's at $5 a month. That's at patreon.com slash crash the pond. Now, another way that you can support us, um, if you just go to the Apple podcast app and you go to search, just search for crash the pond couple of different things you can do once you have reached our podcast. So 
You can do something that's quick and easy. You can scroll down, leave us a five-star rating. We will absolutely appreciate that. It takes a microsecond of your time and you're done. But if you do want to take it a step further, take it up a notch, you can leave us a listener review. And those are awesome because we get to hear direct feedback from you guys. Um, it's it, mm-hmm. it's really touching. Sometimes people leave really heartfelt reviews and we will read them on the show, which is also cool. And um, those definitely help us just kind of climb up those rankings. We're also on YouTube. Is it youtube.com slash crash the pond? Is that it? Yes. So yes, we post is. the the recorded version of the show, the video version uh, from the stream to our YouTube channel. So make sure to subscribe there. Make sure to hit the bell icon so you get notified when we do post a new video. And make sure to leave comments because Jake will reply to you. He will. He. I have mon. I, I have monitored these videos and he replies to everybody. So it's a lot of fun. I want people to feel like their voice is heard. You know. Oh, I'm I I'm supportive of it. I'm just just pointing it out. Um. Outside of that, you we're on all of your favorite um, podcast listening platforms. So we're on Spotify. We're everywhere. Just uh, go check us out there. And um, we already talked about it earlier, but if you are looking to support the show uh, and you're trying to up your grooming game, Manscaped, use this, the CTP code at checkout. That's, that's yeah, going to go a long and- way. <laughs> and I, and I want to give a shout-out to uh, Mac Weldon. They're not an official sponsor of this episode, but... Um, with uh, the package that I was able to get through them for them supporting the show, um, I got some sweatpants that I used for my tests, and they were fantastic. Legitimately one of the best pairs of sweats I've ever had. So if you want to go to there, go to MacWeldon.com slash CTP. Use the code CTP at checkout. Not actually getting paid for that sponsorship or anything like that, but wanted to give them a shout out because of their product being so good. Yeah, that's how you know it's legit. Um, you can find us on social media. So find us on Twitter. Jake is on Twitter at reindeer games, 91. At some point he'll start giving fantasy daily fantasy advice on there. Cause he's just, he's just raking in the cash under the radar. Uh, not this weekend, not this weekend <laughs> in general, in general, hey, I'm trying to pump your tires here. Yeah. yeah you, just play along. Fair play enough. Along. I I'm very modest with certain things. <laughs> I am on Twitter at Felix underscore Sicard. You can also find our show and the site on Twitter at Crash the Pond and also on Facebook, search for Crash the Pond and go to the website, crashthepond.com. So that will do it for us tonight, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Hope you have a great Monday. If you're listening on Monday, hope you have a great week and we will talk to you at the next episode. Have a good one. Bye.